This is the Loud Pedal Podcast with Chris Stubbs and Lee Holdsworth. We are three races down in our four weeks of back-to-back racing. This is the Loud Pedal Podcast. Chris Stubbs with you. Lee Holdsworth joining us from Townsville. The after party at the Mad Cow on Sunday. This time you had the family in tow, mate, so you're probably feeling a bit better than the last time we caught up. <laughs> yeah, this is the best I've felt on a Monday morning, or on Tuesday morning, <laughs> I should say, for a while. So, um, yeah, I, I don't drink anymore. I, I think I drank enough for the whole year at Darwin. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did. Hey, um, we've got something to celebrate. I've even put a shirt on to acknowledge the occasion. We've ticked over a quarter of a million listens uh, in this last week. So, since How you good's came that? On, I know, it's pretty cool. Since you came on board... Uh, last year, mate, our average was up 298% and we're up another 20% this year. So thanks to the listeners, thanks to all the drivers and teams and supercars. We, I don't think we've ever had anyone knock us back when I've asked them to come on. It's cool that there's that conversation going on in between rounds, keep, keeping people thinking about our sport and our sponsors. So we love it. And thank you, mate, for coming on board. Uh, thanks, buddy. No, it's been good fun. And um, yeah, let's hope we can grow it even more. But I, I actually put it down to your professional um, you know, appearance and, and, and the, the followers you have on social media. Oh, mate. mate I've got <laughs> thousands of them to spare. Thousands. It's, it's probably more so the Jack Miller stories that you've been getting on. <laughs> and you don't invite me on them. Yeah, sorry about that, mate. Sorry. <laughs> uh, there is a bit going on in supercars. We've got the calendar finalised. We're off to tail and bed. The Bathurst finale. Co-driver announcements and news there with Lee uh, and plenty more. And on that front, we've got a couple of Bathurst champions joining us today. From Walkinshaw, Andretti United, Chaz Mostert, and from the Red Bull Holden Racing Team, Garth Tanner. Chaz, first time you've joined us since the opening show of last year, which was a little, uh, shall we say, perhaps awkward at times because we had to talk about your future, but we're glad that we've got you back. You're looking resplendent, mate. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, um, it's good to know you've got a few more listeners now. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, better, I better be appropriate today because back then it didn't really matter what I said. So, um, yeah, see how today goes. Well, you got us off and running, mate. You gave us a few lines last year, so it was fantastic and good to have you back. And we've got Garth Tanner for the first time this year. Um, mate, life in lockdown. You look like Wolverine. I know this is an audio medium, but uh, we'll post a photo on the account so people can actually see what we are looking at as we speak to you right now. Welcome back. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. Thank you for the uh, Wolverine um, compliment, I guess. I mean, I'd love to have the guns that Hugh Jackman has when he runs Wolverine. But, and um, the money. Yeah, well, and the money. But um, <laughs> the best I can do is the facial hair. So, um, yeah, not much else to do. No, no, it's not like you're going out in public at the moment. So no. uh, I can save Clearly. You know, a million dollars on razor blades because those things are bloody expensive. <laughs> <laughs> How is it uh, playing Mr. Tander? We, I think it was the quickest RSVP I've ever had to someone coming on this show because you wanted to get away from the kids, I think, for an hour or so. <laughs> Well, if I was just listening to your intro, if I'd, know, if I'd known that no one had ever knocked you back, I would have been the first to do that. So, <laughs> um, no, no, seriously, uh, yeah, well, there's not much going on. Um, can't do anything, obviously, in the sporting world as a professional sports person. There's nothing, no sport going on other than the supercar stuff, obviously, up in the bubble. But um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm currently the headmaster at, uh, at our little school that we have at home, at the uh, year three and year one. So, thankfully, I can do year one maths. Year three maths is a bit beyond me. But, um, but yeah, yeah, no, uh, just managing that. And, um, yeah, it's great to jump on. Fantastic. And, Chaz, you, um, you didn't ditch the girlfriend for the show. You sent her off to the airport to make sure that you could, could join us. You got rid of us. So we, we appreciate that, mate. 
Uh, she, actually, she decided to leave because um, she knows how much dribbles on this show. So she's had enough, <laughs> she's had enough dribble of uh, me the last couple of days. She didn't want to hear this either. So she decided to book a flight and go home and work for a couple of days. Now that she's back in beauty therapy, she wouldn't want to see Garth's face. <laughs> <laughs> I think she might get nightmares. That, was, that, that would have been before the beard. <laughs> and, and Chaz, you spoke there about dribble. Have you been dribbling a little bit uh, when you've woke up the last couple of mornings? You've been hitting the cans a bit? Nah, my mouth's been Chaz, dry. no. The dribble's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I've been that dehydrated. The dribble doesn't even exist anymore. Did you, did you hit it hard, though, Sunday night? Did you, did you have a crack? No, I didn't have my partner in crime with me, so um, yeah. <laughs> Who's that, mate? Apparently, apparently his family's up here, so he's been in my age. You're born, Shane. Uh, uh, before we came on here, you were telling me a story about Just Jeans. Can you explain that one, Chaz? Uh, well, I'm looking for a, a new jeans sponsor, so um, yeah. <laughs> if, you know, if Just Jeans is listening in on this podcast, which is very unlikely, I'm a size uh, 32. And, um, 32 that's, that's skinny fit thank you <laughs> Lee, do you want to explain what we're talking about there oh no not not really it's one of those you had to be there stories <laughs> just a bit of stupidity at the pub <laughs> good fun we'll leave that alone uh hey lee co-driver let's turn it to a, a little bit of racing talk you're back with with robbo with michael caruso is is this a good thing? Because we know he hosts one of those other podcast things and uh, I'm a little bit concerned that he might be uh, stitching you up and going to punt himself into the fence just so you don't get a victory over him, mate. Well, I, I think he changed um, to our car to try and steal some of our followers, to be honest. Ah, yes. So not, not too happy about that. But um, nah, it's really cool to be back with Robbo. And yeah, we teamed up back in 09. We were teammates for four years and, uh, and really good mates. So, yeah, looking forward to it. It's going to be... Uh, it's going to be good. And he's one of the very few people in the sport that I can say I don't need a seat insert with. <laughs> I, I, was, I was going to ask, who's the taller out of you two? Like, oh, come on. Caruso, God, you, Caruso even, keeps telling me that he's taller yeah. than you. So you probably will need an insert. So Yeah, when he's got, when his hair's been growing for three years and he spikes well, it up as high as it can go. I guess he has got that over you. So <laughs> He certainly does. <laughs> I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> there were some pretty cool shots of the two of you from back in the day as well. Some uh, pretty nice parties that I think were getting a run back in the day too on social. Oh, do you know what? That, that's the funny story with those Pradas. He loved those things. And they were like Ray, Ray Charles sort of glasses. They were, um, uh, you couldn't see out the sides because they were so thick. And uh, and they were so big on his face, so dead set he didn't need sunscreen on a sunny day. Um, but I went into the truck one day and heard a crunch under my foot, <laughs> and sure enough, it was his Prada studies. So I think they were Dolce and Gabbana, actually. Were they? Dolce? Yeah, That's yeah. You yeah. get him a cheap pair off eBay, he wouldn't have known the difference. Wow, yeah, and he, I think he actually stole them off Danny, his his wife. <laughs> Um, no, they were shockers, and I was—I—I I, I would have, for anyone else, for any other sunnies, I would have felt bad. But for those things, I felt like I did him a pretty big favour. And until I saw his face afterwards, he wasn't happy. <laughs> no, you did it for the greater good, Chaz Warren Luff. He's been around forever. He's a gun. He's always consistent. Um, you're happy with with how things are going with him? As enough seat time? How do you think all that's going to unfold for you in terms of co-driver situations? 
Yeah, first of all, super pumped to have Luffy. Uh, he's solid year in, year out, and it's um, probably a bit similar to, to Lee. I think we're actually pretty comfortable in the car together, similar heights. Um, so he, you know, when he drove the car at the start of the year at Taylor Bend, he was said he didn't really have to do much at all to, to feel comfortable in there. So seat time, I think, is a, probably a big question mark for all co-drivers in, in the series this year. They haven't even had support categories, really, to, to be able to do a lot of laps in. So um, I think it's going to be really interesting watching those co-driver practices, say Bathurst and stuff like that, see who can really get up the speed the quickest. Chaz, how, how do you think he'll fit in with, with the way you've gone with the car? Do you think he's going to feel at home still or is he going to find a massive difference from last year? I think for, for me, like we obviously changed the car a fair bit at the first test day and we, we rolled the car out at Tail and Bend, probably a similar philosophy what WAU did have. Uh, and then we really took it to a different spec at the end of the day. And um, I was really quite surprised how quickly he was adapting his driving. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a big ask for him for sure. Um, but I still think he's one of those guys that can adapt really well. So um, no, fingers crossed for us, we can have a really good run at Bathurst. It'd be great to have, you know, the, the sand down like we would normally have run in to, to really set up for that. But this year is just so unique. It's, uh, it's going to be all guns blazing for sure. Hey, GT, where are you at, mate, in terms of... I'm in of... Melbourne, mate. In yes, Melbourne. yes, which is, which is why I asked the question. <laughs> where are you at in terms of quarantine and when you have to leave, etc.? What do you know? I don't know anything at this stage. Okay. Um, hasn't been any communication as far as what's going to happen there. Uh, obviously been in contact with the team and the team's been in contact with supercars as far as what's going to play out. And I guess they need to decide, you know, you're hearing chatter around that there you know, might be half-hour practice sessions at tail and bend and all the rest of it, which in reality is a waste of time because for the Melbourne drive, co-drivers, that means if you could get a quarantine exemption to go to South Australia, you'd have to go almost now, I haven't worked out the dates, to go and do two weeks quarantine in South Australia to get half an hour running on a Saturday morning, I assume it would be, uh, which doesn't really, it's not really worth it, to be honest with you. So, um, so yeah, I would imagine that we'll probably go to quarantine in New South Wales somewhere, uh, probably out of the, not in the sort of greater Sydney region, I would imagine, probably somewhere closer to Bathurst. And quarantine up there, um, uh, for two weeks ahead of ahead of Bathurst, so uh, I, that's what I'm sort of preparing for. I've got two weeks, or well, probably three weeks prior to Bathurst, drew, um, crossed out in my diary, which wasn't really that hard to do because there wasn't much in there. And um, and yeah, just uh, quarantine two weeks prior to Bathurst, do Bathurst, and then um, come back to Melbourne. Uh, yeah, so Garth, how are you actually feeling about it being the biggest race of the year? Obviously, there's less preparation for for co-drivers this year how do you feel prepared oh no i'm pretty comfortable um you know given that i've drove this car last, i mean i would certainly if this was happening last year or first year into a new relationship a little bit different for say luffy who's joining Chaz this year who's been with walkinshaw and knows the majority of the organization uh if i was last year coming into a new organization driving a new car with a new co-driver i'd be probably a little bit more concerned um so but this year quite comfortable um you know yeah sure going probably the first time i drive the cars when i roll out of pit lane at bathurst for the you know other than a few laps at tail and bend in february last time i drove a race car was the grand prix in march and then probably the next time i drive a race car will be at bathurst so still comfortable about it doing all the normal prep got more time to train at the moment so doing that 
you're not going to be race fit. That's the thing. I think that's probably the only real worry is, you know, you can be as fit as, as you guys know, you can be as fit as you like, but you jump in the race car, you don't have that heat. I mean, that's the big thing I think is your body builds up that immunity to the heat of the car. And, you know, Bathurst in October could be anything. It could be snowing or it could be 40 degrees. So um, just not having that preparation is probably the only thing that you would probably be a little bit concerned about. But as far as going up doing the job, I'm pretty comfortable. What else can you do to prepare? Do you, can you jump on the simulator or do you, do you, do you have constant dialogue with the team on, on how the, uh, to understand the direction that the, the team's heading? Uh, look, I haven't really been talking to the team about what's going on with setups and, and all the rest of it because realistically, you just, your job is to jump in. As a co-driver, your job is to jump in and drive the car the best of your ability and, and adapt yourself as close as you can to the primary driver. Uh, and you don't want to be um, making the primary driver having to compromise their setup too much to make the co-driver feel comfortable. So as the co-driver, your role is to be as flexible as you can and be as close as you can to the primary driver. So that's going to be more of a challenge this year. But I haven't really been speaking to the team about setups and things like that yet. Um, I figure I'll have two weeks of, of sitting around in a hotel room or whatever it may be in quarantine to get my head around that. And I think you can probably overdo it too far out. Like we're still over a month and a half out from what Bathurst and you don't want to overthink it too much. Um, and every one of the co-drivers is different. I mean, you could be sitting here talking to myself or Lounsey or Luffy, for example, or Caruso, who's, you know, done a million miles up there and we'll have one point of view. And then you can go and speak to Brock Feeney, who's going to be going up there for the first time in a supercar, in a, current spec supercar in, in one of your cars, one of the, the Tickford cars with JC. And, you know, I feel like the, everything's moving at a million mile an hour. So his learning curve over that, you know, period of the weekend, the early part of the weekend is going to be massive. And so every co-driver is going to have different points of view, different types of preparation, all the rest of it. I mean, the beauty for me is I've done a lap or two around there so I can, um, you know, close my eyes, tell you exactly where each gear point will be, where each brake marker will be and, and do a lap. Um, you know, in bed. So I've done a few laps already this year in preparation and um, do a few more before we roll out in the middle of October. So guys, for someone like, say, Tim Slade that comes across, there could be a championship on the line. We expect there will be for, for Scott McLaughlin. He's moving in into a Mustang. Chaz, is that your third in the championship? Do you see that as a, as a possibility, as a, as a weakness or a situation that, that for Tim, that would be quite challenging? I think Tim's a well-credentialed driver. He's been, you know, a bit like Garth. I think, like you said, the co-driver's role is to be flexible. Um, he's going to be a standout this year, no doubt, coming off full-time driving. Um, I don't think it's going to be a real hassle for him. I think, you know, there's a lot of combinations now in this endurance series that are, it's like two primary drivers. And talk about Garth and, and Shane, like, they've really stepped the game up. Um, so, you know, everyone else got to rise to the occasion, but, I think Slady in that circumstance will, will handle it like a piece of cake. I think Slady really just needs to work on his neck muscles so he's used to the downforce of that Mustang. That'll be the only thing that'll catch him out is just neck muscles across the top of the mountain. Even driving those GT cars that Slady drives won't prepare him for that Mustang, I don't think. We're pretty I'm sure tired. one of your cars was on pole on the weekend, mate. <laughs> I do notice Lee Holzer has been a lot like this over the last two yeah. years. Too. Yeah. The neck's gone away. Look at those tracks. Look at them. <laughs> I've noticed your neck's gotten a lot smaller. Actually, you're, you're probably the, uh, the, uh, the, the G-forces is hurting you more now with the acceleration. 
<laughs> well, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> hey, GT, speaking of ex ex acceleration, are you a little concerned? Shane reckons he's down on top-end speed. He, he hasn't had a win yeah. yet this year. Have you been in touch with him much? Yeah, I text him every night telling him to go faster. <laughs> and um, he, they changed the engine at, at Darwin and it didn't seem to make much of a difference. So I think they changed some more stuff over the weekend at Townsville. We're going to change some more stuff ahead of town, uh, Townsville 2.0. Uh, but, yeah, I don't really know what the whole story is. I'm sure by the time we get to Bathurst, it'll be sorted. But they'll probably want to be on top of it also ahead of Tail and Bend because, obviously, big, long straights there. So he reckons it's costing him two to three tenths. I just say this must be the way he pulls the gear stick or it's not braking late enough or things like that that just generally giving him a hard time. But, um, yeah, I think the team will get on top of it. Might be too much is time. that two to, two to three tenths on Jamie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what he thinks. I haven't seen the data. You know what drivers are like. It's probably really only a tenth and a half. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, physically, how are you two, Chaz and, and Lee? Back-to-back um, -back races in this heat, we haven't experienced this before. I wouldn't assume either of you in, in your, your careers elsewhere. How are you holding up? Oh, for me, I mean, probably when we first got out of COVID period, you know, SMP... It's probably not a massive physical track um, because the degradation is so high. But um, it was like actually a fair bit of a shock on the body. A bit like Garth said, you know, you just don't have the race miles under your belt. So, um, yeah, going to the, the four weeks back to back, build, uh, building great race strength and dealing with the heat quite well, even though the, the Mondays seem to hurt after race weekends a lot. Yeah, I, I think uh, it, the race fitness has been better than ever now, you know, four rounds in a row is just crazy, crazy to, you know, uh, in the past, you would have said that's, that's going to be really tough on the body. But after two rounds at, at the hottest, um, in the hot, hottest climate we have, um, equal to Adelaide pretty much in Darwin, um, you've, we've come out of that round uh, and backed it up again in Townsville with another pretty hot round. And really it's no, there's no issues, I would say, in terms of fitness. Um, I think the mental thing is is the hardest to bounce back just resetting through the week and and then having to do it all again um and and trying to feel come into the weekend feeling fresh i think is the hardest part but um yeah it's it's crazy we've never done this before and um and i think that uh yeah it's improving our fitness for sure in car fitness and it was a great excuse for you to get the rig out on national tv <laughs> as well hey in the ice bath hey hey <laughs> Uh, you know, that caught me by surprise. Larko <laughs> loves sneaking up on me like that. <laughs> especially, especially those Tickford guys. There's so many photos <laughs> getting around on social media, even when you were there, Chaz, of you yeah. all in the ice bath together. Like, what Chaz is going What is going on with that? Like, I'm sure you're, like, getting your rigs out in the privacy of the truck, but doing it in the ice bath where the cameras can see it? Seriously, guys. In, in my defense, like, I was in the There's ice no bath defense, Chaz. Chaz. <laughs> you know, Chaz. There's Lee, no Lee defense. Would, Lee would always come to hop in with me. I don't know why, but <laughs> I was there first, so. <laughs> I'm finding we've got an, uh, even other drivers coming to pop in at the moment, which is a bit weird. We had Reynolds come and jump in the ice bath with us as well, so... It's all getting very friendly at the moment with these back-to-back -back races. <laughs> you know who used to get the most jealous, though, that they were never invited to the ice bath session at Tickford? Was Rick Who's Kelly. That? I tell you what, he would just oh. tear up every time. Like, if you bumped into them in the paddock, he would be upset that he didn't get an invite. <laughs> uh. 
I don't know where to take it from here. <laughs> um, the announcement of, of Will Davison uh, with Cam Waters. That's, that's a pretty strong combination. Lee, obviously, you're, you're going to say it's, it's strong, but Chaz, Garth, for you guys, that's, uh, they would be got to be one of the favourites, don't they? Yeah, I think there's a lot of great combinations. Like I said, the, the times have changed where you had like a primary and a co. For me now, it's like primary and primary with the amount of experience out there with, with combinations. So, um, And he's obviously got the most probably running out of any co-driver this year in a, in a current car, obviously starting the year. So, And knows uh, the philosophy of those cars really well. So I think you expect to see him hit the ground running, but you know, you've know you got awesome other combinations that will, will get up to speed super quick as well. So um, yeah, they'll be hard to beat for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think the most interesting part will be, you know, Will, Will ran quite a, a, a bit of a different philosophy to what Cam has done in the past. And um, so, so to see how he fits in with that philosophy and, and whether he can, you know, find his feet as quickly as, he, as, as possible is, is going to be interesting. But, yeah, certainly uh, as far as co-drivers goes, he's, he's in the box seat because he's jumping into a car that – or a team that he knows and a car that he knows fairly well – um, he's gonna gonna feel like he's just put his old old boot back on, but um, yeah. So they're gonna be super strong. Cam's got a, a really strong direction at the moment with his car, and um, and and they're generally you know Cam's pretty strong at Bathurst as well. So I think they'll be a force. How do you guys feel about it being the finale at Bathurst, Garth? You've raced there before, from memory, when it was the yep. finale in two thousand, and you you yep. actually um, could have won the championship. You're still. Well, Bathurst, which was uh, not a bad prize. Um, yeah, yeah. Last time they did it, it worked out pretty well for me. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, look, I think I think it's a good thing, honestly. Um, we often call Bathurst our grand final, if you like. It's all, it's always compared to the AFL grand final or the Melbourne the Melbourne Cup of horse racing and things like that. So, I think it's great that we have this big. I mean, this year's been a challenging year. There's no getting away from that. So to have this massive climax to the end of the championship with hopefully a live championship still going between Jamie, what's looked like it'll be Jamie and uh, Scott. And Chaz. And Chaz, of course. Um, yeah, I think, um, I think it's a good thing. I really do. I don't know that I liked reading in the press through the week that both Jamie and Scott and Chaz, if you, I haven't heard what you said, that they would prioritise the championship over Bathurst um, because I think... Um, realistically, if you're leading the championship, you might say that. But if you're second in the championship, the best way to score points is to win the race. So you've got to go into that race with the mindset that I'm going to win the race and the championship takes care of itself. And I remember way back in 2000, the last time that the championship was concluded at Bathurst, which is the year we won at GRM, and I finished second to Scafie, that absolutely that was the mindset. It was the only way that I can win this championship is to go and win Bathurst. So you have to go into it with that mindset. I mean... Realistically, if you're Jamie Winkup, for example, and he's second in the championship and he consolidates and finishes second at Bathurst and only finishes second in the championship, do you really think that Jamie's going to put that second place, second place championship trophy up on the mantelpiece next to his other 100 championship trophies that he has? Because it doesn't matter. You know, unless for someone like Jamie, unless he's won the championship, you don't really care where you finish. So you have to, you'd have to go in with that mindset. Win Bathurst and the championship takes care of itself. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see on the back of Townsville 2.0 and the two tail and bend events where the championship all sits going into Bathurst, whether that mindset changes. 
Chaz, we'll put it to you then. Um, you are just the wrong side of the 300 margin, 384. Uh, how does it feel in your mindset at the moment? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, Bathurst is is everything because I'm not probably really in the championship hunt, if that makes sense. But I guess if you were in that championship hunt and you went in there, um, it's really what comes down to pers- personal preference. What means more to you, championship or, or Bathurst? And I just remember going back in 2014. I've obviously never won a championship, so I wouldn't know what that feels like. But to win Bathurst, it's, there's no greater feeling. I mean, that one race that you put everything out there on the day, you, you know, the boys on the, in the pit stops did everything right because the race so long, the car held together. It's just no better feeling than standing on that top step there. Um, I mean, obviously, fans will be a, a unique situation, whatever happens there. But, I mean, to go back to 14, you see that amount of people standing on the track and it's just there's no better feeling than that winning that race. Garth, you've done both. And this question, we have this topic mm-hmm. at every week leading into Bathurst. We always talk about it and all the journos go there. And it makes people emotional with the answer. You've done both. What, what's more important to you? Uh, I hate answering this question because it's yeah, okay. like saying, you know, who, which is your favourite child when you've got two of them. Because, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but in reality... So which one's your favourite child? <laughs> <laughs> Whoever's giving me the least, least grief at the moment. Um, uh, look, I think for the championship, I think within the industry, the championship now holds a higher regard um, because obviously everyone understands the effort <laughs> that goes into a championship over all the events, the different disciplines, the different races, uh, the different challenges. Um, but I think within the wider sporting public, Bathurst has a bigger, a bigger appeal and a bigger call. So when you walk down, and look, I think the way that I've answered this before is when you walk down the street on Monday morning after winning the championship, only a handful of people know what you've done the day before. But when you walk down the street on Monday morning after winning Bathurst, a lot more people know what you achieved on the Sunday before as well. So um, it depends what you want to get out of it. If you want public notoriety, win Bathurst. If you want respect from your peers, win the championship. If Best case scenario, try and do both. Lee, which one would you take, mate? You're getting closer to, uh, to claiming the big scouts. Which one would you want? Ah oh, well, I, I think at this stage I'd want the I'd want the Bathurst Trophy, yeah, for sure. So you want and the public fame and all the celebrations? <laughs> uh, everyone to know no, who you look, are. I, I think that no, not not. not I thought he it's I thought more. he got enough of that in Darwin. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I think at the end of your career, you want to be able to say you've won Bathurst, and that's that's massive for me. Um, but you know. Not, not just looking at the championship contenders at the moment, but also the top 10 um, from where I sit. I'm 10th at the moment. I'm out to, to win Bathurst as well uh, because a good, a good, uh, a good uh, result at Bathurst can jump me up to fifth or fourth in the championship. So, you know, it's, it's going to be massive on everyone's agenda to go for the win. And, and I think that's fantastic for the championship. I think it's fantastic for the viewing of Bathurst. So, there is absolutely no downsides to it. It could explode, couldn't it, Bathurst, with the, the pressure and, and Win Cup v McLaughlin, the ghosts of 2017 and, and that rivalry and everything that, that happened on that final day in Newcastle. The scene could really be set for that. GT, how do you feel going back to Bathurst after last year and all the controversy that surrounded that? Uh, redemption's a word that sort of 
comes up a little bit. Obviously, we were second last year and there was a bit that went on throughout the race, particularly in the last part of the race. So there's, a, there's obviously a lot of um, tension. You don't, once the race starts, you don't think about any of that junk. You just focus on the job at hand. But um, in the lead up, there'll be a lot of chat about all that sort of stuff. And like you said, whoever the whoever the championship protagonists will be at that stage. And like I say, you know, realistically it's Jamie, sorry, Chaz, but realistically it's Jamie and Scott. And if that stays true to the lead into Bathurst, there'll be a lot of chat about that sort of stuff. And, you know, what role are the other team cars going to play and all the rest of it. But end of the day, Shane hasn't won Bathurst before. He wants to win it. So there's no favoritism between the two team cars at, at Red Bull. So um, if our car's in front, we're going to win the, try and win the race. Um, the, so there's just as much inter-team battle to make sure you're in the, in the lead at, at that last stint as there is to be in front of anyone else. So it'll be interesting. I think it'll be interesting. Um, you just ultimately, like Chaz was saying earlier, with the, with the strong driver combinations now, it's just going to come down. You're going to have to have a fast car. It's as simple as that. You, you're going to get load, you're going to load your primary driver in with two and a half, three stints to go. You're going to need to have a fast car. And you're going to need to have a team that can react on its feet when it needs to, as we've seen in the past. And, um, and you're just going to have to hammer down. It could be ultimately, with the driving combinations that we have this year, um, it could be a very, very fast race, um, which will put a lot of pressure on the Coeys, um, which, yeah, could be cool. Chaz, for you, there's um, no inter-team Issues to worry about this year, Cam Waters. If you see him, you can just nail him. You've been having a bit of fun already. <laughs> it's so weird now that I'm racing Cam Waters in a different team. Like he just lets me go. Like last last year, he I was says racing the same about Cam you. Waters. Like we'd finish with only like one tire on four cars, so on, on two cars. So it's um it's really weird just the mentality. But um now nah, look, it's it's one of those things. You're always out to beat your teammates, and you always race hard, but. Uh, probably a different role for myself now. You know, I'm uh, obviously got Brycey next to me. It's his first year. I'm trying to give as much advice and wisdom to him. And the, the speed that I've seen him pick up in the first couple of rounds is is, is really just cool to be a part of a, a young driver coming through into his career and see that. So um, not that I've really taught him anything. I've more taught him not what to do. Um, but yeah, look, it's um, it's pretty good vibe in our team at the moment. It's, um, you know, fresh, fresh two drivers. And, and it's just good, like the last weekend, finally to to get a couple of trophies for, for the hard work they've put in. It's, um, it, it's really just awesome to be part of. Lee, this could be a, a really tough couple of weeks for Fabian Coulthard leading into Bathurst, couldn't it? Reliving everything that went through. He got, got slammed for, for his role last year with the safety car. That, that would be pretty challenging for him. He, he copped the death threats and all that sort of stuff. It's pretty heavy. Yeah, it's all certainly going to come up in conversations as we yeah. lead into Bathurst. So, yeah, there's going to be a fair bit uh, going on in his his mind. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think he's he would have copped it pretty hard over that for the last 12 months. Um, and he's probably just about nearly forgotten it. And then it's going to come <laughs> up again now. So, yeah, um, yeah uh, I don't know. I, I, how do we stop that happening again? Mm. I don't know. I just... I'd, wouldn't hate to see that ever happen again. Yeah, well, there's plenty of riding on it this year, more so than even just the Bathurst titles we've discussed. Um, GT, any tips for Chaz on how to have longevity? You just spoke about the fresh, the fresh vibe there at Walkinshaw Andretti United. How does he make it to almost 10 years like you did there? What's the key? Um, keep your head down. Um, yeah, look, it's, um, 
Yeah, oh, look, it'd be a very different organisation now than when I was there. Um, there's been a lot of change. Um, the race team was very, very... When I was there, the race team was very, very heavily associated with HSV and things like that. And I was very uh, integrated into all that as well. Whereas now, obviously, it's a different organisation, does different things. So, um, yeah, look, I think realistically, it's a, it's just work hard. It's simple. I mean, it's good to hear Chad's really embracing the, the mentorship with Bryce and, and taking that on board. Um, the trick, Chaz, is to not is to teach them as much as you can, but don't teach them those last little things. So they don't, <laughs> they can't be, they can get right to the back of you, but they can't actually get in front of you. Um, so that's the trick there. Um, but yeah, look, I think um, having Adam Debore, Chaz, move to that team uh, seems to have really um, freshened up the organisation, and it probably needed that to be honest with you. Um, so um, it's good to see that um, that they're going well, going strong. Um, the consistency thing is a big thing that Walkinshaw's in the past, way back to when Lee and I were there, way back when, we could have a car one weekend that was really, really good. And then you go thinking, oh, we've turned the corner and next weekend it's, um, you know, you wouldn't even, you know, you wouldn't even let your dog ride in it. So it's, um, it's getting that consistency and it looks like that's coming is, um, is uh, what Walkinshaw have needed for a long time and some fresh faces in there look like it's starting to happen. Does it? There must be a fair bit of development going on. You seem you you've been vocal about treating each day as a as a test day or each race meeting at the moment. Yeah, no, exactly. But I mean, yeah, vocal about trying to to move the package forward and make it a, a more competitive car week in week out. But the hardest bit is, you know, as you guys know, as drivers, you just run out of tools in a toolbox before you need to develop a new part to to then open that toolbox up. So. Four back-to-back weekends for us is an absolute nightmare in a, in a building year and trying to turn a car around and, and make it a bit stronger, even though the package isn't that bad. But to try and catch the guys like the Bulls, that you know, the Shell guys and even even the Tickford guys that have stepped up again this year, it's um, the timeline for us is just is just not helping this year to, to, say, get a clean run home and, and make something better for next year as well. So, you know, last weekend, we were lucky enough to, the boys down in Melbourne dug in deep and developed a couple of parts and sent them up on a plane for us. We chucked them in for practice. We didn't know if it was going to be good, bad, or ugly. Um, and, and the car, I felt like, was an improvement. So, but saying that, it's also a street circuit. WAU has generally gone good at a street circuit. So, we just want to keep, uh, keep moving forward and uh, try and, like I said, keep the consistency, which is like guys like Garth and uh, a lot of great drivers in the championship, that's, they show that strength year in, year out. Yeah, it's crazy how close it is at the moment, isn't it? With, you know, you have a, a bad run in qualifying or you just you do one little tweak to the car that's wrong and you, you miss out on that half a tenth and it puts you back six spots on the grid. You know, instead of qualifying fourth, you've just qualified tenth because, you, you know, you cost yourself a couple of hundreds. So on the weekend, we saw, I think it was the top 20 were separated by just over six tenths and the top 10 are just over two tenths. And I imagine this coming weekend is going to be even closer again because we've all learned from that. Um, it's amazing. So, yeah, consistency is a very hard thing at the moment. And, uh, and I think that, you know, you guys probably tried some stuff on Sunday that didn't quite work, Chaz, and, and were found on the wrong side of that half a tenth. Well, I mean, we're qualified... Like, like you said, qualifying at the moment is everything. Even if you've got a race car that's not quite like good, the way that the car's handles behind another car and what happens to its tyres and all that kind of stuff, if you can qualify in those front couple of rows, you, 
almost guaranteed guaranteed a strong top five position, even if the car's not quite right in race trim. So um, that's something that's been quite weak for us at the start of this year. Obviously, Townsville was great, um, getting two great starting positions. Q3, we just stuffed up, like you said, one one tenth this side or that side. Um, is everything in that little bit of drizzle, you know, in that Q3, um, it really plays the driver's mentality going down the two. So, um, yeah, just got caught on the wrong end of that. But that's probably the biggest focus for us, even though we're maybe not completely happy with our race car, is, is making sure we nail our one lap pace. Um, you guys are there week in, week out. Is it becoming too much of a qualifying championship? Like, you, you obviously limit on, on the tyres that you have. So you're getting, you know, effectively in Q3, it's one, run, one lap on one run on one tyre. It's it becoming qualifying is a skill that you need, but is it becoming too skewed to a qualifying championship? Because, like you said, Chaz, with the dirty air and all the rest of it, if you're in the first three rows and you get a good start, and execute clean pit stops, you're going to be top five. So, is it you know, do we need to create does the does it need does it need to be more focus on cars that are qualifying 10th that have a bad quality like you did and still have the opportunity to come through the field? Yeah, I. Yeah, like it is, it is very qualifying driven at the moment. But a lot of drivers have a different mentality of what's been happening this year, say with the tyre strategy rules and stuff like that and, and general fans and all that kind of stuff. Like if your team's not winning every race, then you're going to be upset about it. But personally, I'm really enjoying it because it makes it even more important that when you're compromised in a race with a bad tyre, it makes it important to drive the car to the absolute maximum to try and get everything out of it. If you're only going to finish 10th or 12th in that race because everyone else has got better tires and you've already spent them or vice versa. So I find that from a championship point, even harder than just having tires for days, because if you've got a quick car, you're going to go just win every race anyway. So um, I, I, you know, we were obviously supposed to go to QR for the next event after Townsville. And that weekend was actually going to excite me because they also took another set of tires away where they were going to do three sets of hard and one set of softs. So four sets for three races. I was going to be really surprised what that was going to do the racing. You know, you have cars slipping off and all that action because there's just no tire on the car. But if that mixes up the order, makes people drive harder and, and work on their craft and get a result here and there, I think that's really good for the show. So Townsville, we know, is a, is a cracking racetrack. It, it always produces um, some pretty entertaining uh, vision for for a viewer. Tail and bend been there a couple of times now and we're heading there. How do we make that sexy? I, th I think from my point of view, I thought that the Darwin round uh, wasn't great, but then Townsville was much better um, with a less aero dependent track, um, much better racing, high deg. So if you're going to run the same tyre or the soft tyre, you need a high deg circuit because you can you can conserve as a driver. You can you can choose to pit early. You can choose to pit late. Come through hard at the end or, or at the start. So um, I think in that way you can really mix up the strategy a bit. But heading to Tail and Bend, it's I, I think <laughs> I it's going to be. I wish everyone listening could see the faces that everyone's kind of pulling <laughs> at this point. It's a fantastic. Uh, there's no doubt it's a fantastic facility. We we you know yeah, Sam Shaheen, they've done they've invested so much money and what they've done for not only South Australia, but for motorsport in this country is outstanding. But the fact is, and you guys are more qualified than me to speak on this, the racing has been challenging, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And, and it's got nothing to do with the quality of circuit because it is a fantastic racetrack and facility. Um, the problem with it is that for our cars, we, we've become more aero dependent. So, you know, for a high-speed flowing track like 
Phillip Island, Tail and Bend, um, uh, you know, Eastern Creek, those sort of tracks, it's very, very hard to follow someone. So, and especially with, uh, with, with the, the track um, surface quality of Tail and Bend, it's so good. We're not going to see much deg there. So it will, be, it will be a qualifying race. So where you qualify pretty much where you're going to end up after you after the first uh, first couple of corners sorts themselves out but yeah so i'd like to see um a couple of variations in tires there i think it would be uh, much better racing garth Chaz, you garth you want to jump in here don't you <laughs> oh look i've i've tail and ben's obviously a very very new facility and it's, a, it's an amazing facility it's an awesome facility and i've raced supercar there i've raced a gt3 car there and i've raced a tcr car there and I think there's a great opportunity for supercars to come off the back of these tail and bend events and the tail and bend events that we've had there in the past already and say, okay, what do we need to do to make a supercar exciting racing wise around tail and bend? Because the other categories that I've raced there and even in a GT3 car where they're much more aero dependent and much dirtier to follow, you can still race really close and you can have really good passing opportunities. So whatever it is about the supercar, whether it's just the amount of aero that they have and just the tyre quality that they have, um, it doesn't promote good racing there. And like Lee said, it's almost a negative degradation circuit. As the, tire, as the cars burn fuel off, they just go faster and faster and faster. And if, I don't even know what tyres you guys are on there. Do you know what tyres you're on? Are you hard or soft? <laughs> I, I don't know. I assume okay. we're on softs. I think so. so. Hope, we were going hope, softs for Queensland. So <laughs> you'd hope you'd hope that you're on softs because if you're on hards, then it's definitely a neg dig circuit. So supercars need to, I think, have this opportunity to say if we can make racing exciting at Tail and Bend with the cars that we have, and with, they've been talking about Gen Three and in the future. So they really need to think what are the characteristics of a car that we can incorporate into Gen Three that will make the racing exciting at Tail and Bend then they'll be able to take that car anywhere else in the country and the racing will be exciting. So there's an opportunity on the back of this. Now I'm not, I'm not saying that don't tune into the next two or three weeks of racing at tail and bend, because I think there's potential for some great racing there. But um, historically the degradation hasn't been high. It's hard to follow, particularly in that triple right out the back. And, um, and then you see big field spread, which is not great for racing. As for example, you go to, tail, uh, to Townsville, tight corners, high degradation, not big field spread, and there's opportunity to do some variation with strategy and create some good racing. So um, all the great things that we're seeing about Townsville, there's an opportunity to take it to a completely different type of facility at Tail and Bend and learn from it. And I certainly hope that the notebooks are out at those two weeks at Tail and Bend. Chaz, do you I'm, hope, I'm, yeah, do you hope I'm, to see- I've got a good suggestion. Go I, I, a suggestion, suggestion, I wanna know what you guys think about this, but um, I really enjoy like the rally cross. You know, I think Taylor Bend's such an <laughs> awesome facility. Why don't we just add a joker lap? <laughs> it's yeah. not a bad option, actually. I... Like, you know, the racing's hard and it's hard to follow, but, yeah. you know, and something that, you know, this modern era in COVID with no fueling and stuff like that, even when you do feel, like you said, the deg's so low there, have different strategy for something else. I mean, Lisa Cameron's got something to watch on a, a Where car would you going do... on a joker lap. Where would you do well, the joker I mean, lap? Well, I think you've got to then do the extended track for a lap. <laughs> 
and and then <laughs> uh, yeah. you're have only you one or two joker laps. Have you guys driven? No, but that's I've, the best part. Just I've driven it. Cool. I've driven it. We tried to we tried to race the GT car. Need a GPS. I got lost. I genuinely got lost on Perfect. the lap. So yeah, good luck. And I don't think you should be allowed to test it before either. So no, just, <laughs> nah, just straight just in. Straight in straight the hole, and then yeah. hope and then hope that you can find your way back to the proper track. Would, would you have flag marshals around there? Or it's just, it's just up to you if you can't nah. <laughs> <Nah. laughs> I'll, just, I'll just put my tom-tom on the, um, yeah. on the inside of the <laughs> no. window. No, you can't have any of that. You can't even have it on your track map. Just Bluetooth the phone uh, and you'll be fine. Hey, Chaz, is there a bit, I, I think obviously that was a bit in jest, but do you want to mix up the circuits? In, in all honesty, it, it has been suggested as something that could be done. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I, I always think we should be trying to do different things. I mean, that obviously facility has that option there to do so, even though the only track I remember on the calendar is, well, the old calendar was QR because anything over six corners, I can't remember anyway. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's good. You've got to be like, it'd be awesome to have that one track that we used to on the first weekend at Talon Bend and the second weekend, a completely different track that we'd never been on. I think that would just um, really throw a spanner in the mix of the championship. I agree. Um, Chaz, next year, we had JC, as we've spoken about, uh, Lasha and Ryan. Um, you're in Holden next year, no BMW. You're okay with that? A lot of people were joining your history with BMW to somehow a BMW was going to appear at uh, WAU. Garth is smiling again. He might jump in here in a second. But uh, Chaz, what did you think of, of that? You probably knew it and had known it for a while, I guess. Yeah, um, I mean, for, for me, it's it's awesome watching the whoever does the sketches up of cars coming into the championship and stuff like that. I mean, it'd be awesome to see BMW come into the category, but um, probably a lot of people don't know either during this COVID period. Um, I've decided to, to freelance and, and split with BMW for the time being, just being locked down here in Australia as well. It's obviously no opportunities to race a GD car at the moment. So um, I'll always have that connection with those guys and we'd love to do something in the future with them. But I know all us drivers in the category, we'd all love to see multiple different manufacturers come in and in, be involved in the series, but um, we'll just have to see what happens in the future. Mate, but yeah, that's... for next year, our team will probably still be in a, in a Holden, as far as I know, and, um, you know, obviously try and keep costs down at the, at the moment for the category during this tough time as well. Mate, was that a, a mutual decision or are you a bit disappointed? You had great success. I mean, look at earlier in the season and you, you work at Daytona. No, no, 100% mutual decision. Yeah. So it's, um, like I said, hopefully there's an opportunity to go back and race with those guys, but um, just didn't see the, the point to be tied down at the moment um, during opportunities that just aren't, aren't able to do go overseas. So it's, um, yeah, we'll see what happens in the future. I'd love to drive some different type of GT cars and see what the, all the buzz is about that. Um, but yeah, we'll just see what happens in the future. Hey, GT, did you happen to listen to the last podcast with JT? Uh, no, I didn't. He made some interesting comments about his former teammates. Uh, really? Referring, I, I referring to you as the how good I am as a teammate. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, um, referring to you as the GT stripe. I did read something about that. That, <laughs> that would be the first time ever he's called me that. So I'm not sure what that was about. Hmm. He, interesting. I'm not sure he put you up there with Scott Pye, but there was a oh, reference. Well, 
was it? Oh, well, you know, there's no doubt JC and I had a, had a bumpy road as teammates for, <laughs> over the journey. Him bumping into me more than anything else. But um, I think he got you and I once yeah. at, uh, at the Winton. Winton. I remember two, that. Two for the price of one there. And he, and he still didn't get into trouble. So that's sort of told us the story, didn't it? <laughs> hey, GT, what about your future, mate? Um, Chaz just discussed a bit of GT stuff there. But for you, T, uh, TV, you signed up for... Red Bull for next year or? Uh, not as of yet um, no? because we don't really know what next year's going to look like, do we? Mm. So, um, Was that a not yet as for Red Bull for yeah. co-driving? Yeah, yeah I, look, there's an option there from both parties to, to continue and, and I don't see why that won't continue. Um, but until we know what next year's calendar is going to look like as far as how many endurance races there will be, what's the requirement of the co-drivers, um, there's no point really doing a deal until we know what that's going to be. So uh, I don't foresee any issues there. Um, and as far as anything else, what I'm, else I'm doing, I'm not too sure at this stage. We'll have to wait and see. Do you know anyone at Channel 7? I know a few people at Channel 7. Could so, be handy. Uh, yeah, it could be handy. Could be handy. I'm sure a lot of other people know people at Channel 7 as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, we might uh, we might wrap it up there for, for the two of you. Um, Chaz, I will just ask you one more. Would you have taken third in the championship at this point if someone said that to you when you started this relationship with the team? Would you have gone, yeah, that's that's not a bad position to be? Yeah, uh, 100%, without a doubt, not knowing the exact package to get into. I think um, if we could finish around there at the end of the year, I think that's a real positive for the team. And uh, as long as we finish this year with something more competitive than we started and um, the hope to try and go win races into next year would be um, really good. So we'll, we'll keep trying to battle on. Lee, did you have anything more for the boys or either of you for either of us? No, I think I've heard enough of them. <laughs> it's, I'll uh, see likewise. them in a few it's weeks likewise. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen way too much of Chaz. So sure. uh, well, we're looking forward to more stories from the Mad Cow uh, after this weekend all, all wraps up. Chaz... Keep sucking back that water as you have been during the show and uh, we appreciate your time, mate. Go well this weekend. Thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks, GT, bro. thank you. We always appreciate your time and your insights as well. Best of luck uh, with sorting out a, a TV deal and a co-drive oh. deal for the future and good luck uh, with the kids at home. Teach them well. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thanks, GT. Lee, your weekend, 13th, 11th and 9th. So you're heading in the right direction. You're still 10th in the championship. How do you sum it up? Yeah, we were certainly heading in the right direction. Uh, I haven't been happy with the car up in Darwin, um, both rounds, and then and then coming into Townsville, still not happy on the Saturday. We made big changes to the car on Saturday night, and um, and credit to Sammy, my engineer, we came back with a, a car that I felt really familiar with again on Sunday. So it's been since Sydney that I've felt like I've had my car underneath me, and it's felt very foreign. But, uh, yeah, so now... You know, we started making some good gains. Um, I didn't push hard enough in that in that Sunday morning qualifying. We could have actually. Uh, I, I lost three and a half tenths um, in the first uh, couple of corners, actually, and then brought brought back two and a half tenths at the end of the lap on the pole lap. So we had potential there to be um, on the front row or even pole. And then the second qualifying, just a couple of little things that needed tuning up. Um, it's like we said earlier in the show. It is so bloody close at the moment. Um, you know, it cost me, you know, a hundredth or two at the last corner and, um, and, and that saw me back in seventh uh, for the last race. So it could have been much better. Um, I'm hoping that this weekend we've, we can continue to build on that. I certainly feel 
much more positive about it. So, yeah, the results weren't weren't there, but I, I feel the pen, potential is now. So, yeah, looking forward to this weekend. All right. Well, it's that point of the show where Lee unloads. It's time for the nice guy of supercars to fire up. It's the loud pedals lethal weapon. There was a bit of a scuffle up on the first lap of the first race on Saturday, and um, I was uh, there was a, a big chain reaction, and uh, I think Shane got into the back of Anton. I think Winterbottom was was in the back of Shane, and then and then I got involved at the end of it as well when everyone checked up, and I was interested to see that Winterbottom put the blame on me, uh, and when I went back through the footage from JC's car looking across the right, you could see that. Uh, Frosty was up into the back of um, of Shane well before I got to him, and uh, and and probably started I would say a little bit of it, and then the concertina effect happened after that, and that turned um, uh, consequently turned Anton around and, and created an absolute shitstorm. So um, yeah, I I feel that uh, Frosty should probably have a look at his uh, onboard before he and my onboard before he goes throwing blame at anyone. But uh, yeah, I, I think that corner. Um, in saying that, that corner is one of those ones where it just funnels. You know, you get three cars wide into turn one. And, no, no, and, don't, don't back away no, from, no. The, from the lethal I, weapon. Now. I've said what I, I, I need to say. I've said what I need to say. Um, but it is. It's it's definitely. If you have got the inside line there, you're going much slower than the cars in the middle lane or the outside lane, and everyone just checks up, and and you get nose to tail and. Um, and, and the momentum that you carry into that corner, you just can't stop when, when there's a checkup in front of you. So, um, yeah, I wasn't happy to be blamed for that one, but uh, mm. Craig Baird obviously saw it different um, because I certainly didn't get uh, a copper penalty or, or any um, slap over the wrist for it. So, yeah. Well done. That's all no, I've got to say on that one. No, no, that was good. We'll get Frosty on next week. That could be fun. Yeah. Um, so the championship stands at the moment. It is Scott McLaughlin from Jamie Wing Cup. 123 points. So the margin came down a little on the weekend. And Jamie, we know, is the king of Townsville. So it could come down further this weekend. Chaz Mostert then in third, as we've discussed. Shane van der Gisbergen. Cam Waters, Nick Perkhead, David Reynolds, Mark Winterbottom in eighth. Fabian Coulthard ninth. And Lee is inside the top 10 in 10th position don't forget everyone to subscribe to the podcast so you know when there is a recent and uh episode so there's plenty of them rolling out at the moment once again more than quarter of a million listeners listeners thanks to aj hawkins who believed in podcasts before many other people did and uh got us up and running uh in the early days james harrison our general manager of motorsport who keeps things ticking along and supports us, to Riley Mackay, our publicist, who keeps us going technically and is recording this in the background, uh, to Nims in the studio, Dave Reynolds, Ryan Story in the early days as well. We'll get those guys on again soon. Jack Miller, the one-on-one that Lee referred to, is also available for you to listen to after this one. This weekend, another big weekend, though, of motorsport on Fox Sports. The Supercars back in Townsville, plus F1 at Monza in Italy, every session live with no ads during racing, of course, the lovely Jesse Yates, Mark Scaife and Neil Compton. They're not necessarily lovely. I was talking about Jess, but they'll cover <laughs> all the action from Townsville before our friends at Sky Sports F1 put us in the box seat to cheer on the great Daniel Ricciardo in one of the most prestigious Grand Prix on the F1 calendar, Lee. And, and how good is he going? He is oh. amazing. Like oh, to, he might not want to leave in the end. No, I know. I was thinking that. I was thinking <laughs> that. They're just getting stronger and stronger. And to qualify fourth, 
and be fighting for a podium up against the the Red Bull is um, is amazing how far they've come, and I feel like uh, they're they're on a great path at the moment. So yeah, it's a little bit of a shame to see that he's leaving next year. Mm. Yeah, just when things are going good, but he might snag yeah. a podium before out. Plenty of racing hey, to go in there. Hey, the other guy mm-hmm. that's going well that we've got a drop in there is Piastri. Oh, Oscar. The guy's a superstar. How cool is that? And I know that yeah. for some people, they might see a headline somewhere in a paper and go, hey, there's the young dude. But that is, they're the best in the world. It's F3. Yeah. It is a legitimate step to F1. And if you continue that development, mate, that's that's a cool prospect for us, isn't it? It is. It's really cool. So we got one of the best guys in Formula One, and then you've got um, maybe the best guy out yeah. of the Formula Three field. Um as a, as a massive chance to get into Formula One. So pretty yeah. exciting stuff for Australia. And not just him in F3 either from an Aussie point of view. No. We've got, you know, we've got some depth there too. Uh, so if you're a Foxtel subscribe, subscriber, you can watch it on Foxtel or Channel 506 or on the Foxtel Go app. And if you want to stream, then KO Sports, of course, and Foxtel, now your go-tos for all the live action. So F1 from 7pm with Practice One Saturday. Lee, you've got qualifying, as you'd know, it'd be in the diary, 12.45 on Saturday. Top 10 shootout, 1.20 and racing, 3.40 p.m. Then it's into F3 earlier in the evening and F1 qualifying. Sunday, we've got back-to-back qualifying from 9.40 a.m. Then supercars are racing from 12 p.m. and then 2.40 in the afternoon before we tune in for Monza in the evening. Lee, you're a legend. I hope you've enjoyed a bit of time with your family after the couple of weeks away from them in Darwin. And we've enjoyed having you back on the show with this little family this week as well. Yeah, it's been fantastic to have the kids here and Alana. And uh, so we're, we're doing some touristy things this week. We're going to Magnetic Island and then after the round, uh, we'll be going down to Early Beach and, and just having a bit of a rip of time uh, before we, we get back into it. But yep, back into racing this weekend. Make sure you tune in because it's going to be some uh, unreal action on track again. So let's, uh, let's get into it. Yeah, mate, can't wait. We'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks for rubbing it in that you're off to all these beautiful locations and I'm in lockdown. <laughs> thanks very much. Uh, <laughs> thanks for tuning in, everyone. And we'll I'll see send you again. some photos. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> postcard. We'll catch up with you all again soon. Cheers.